98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The top stories. A top microbiologist says it's not necessary to evacuate an entire typo housing block where three people have tested positive for the coronavirus. An executive counselor says private doctors should ditch their concerns and pitch in with COVID-19 testing. And the financial secretary warns that the government will have to tighten its belt in the years to come. A microbiology expert says it isn't necessary to quarantine all residents living at the Taipo public housing block where three confirmed coronavirus patients live. Yun Guok Yong from the University of Hong Kong, who inspected Heng Tai House at the Fu Heng Estate last night, said it's sufficient to only evacuate people from the top six floors. The infected residents live on the 32nd and 34th floors of the 34-floor building. Dr. Yun said it's likely that a plumbing air vent pipe, which removes gases and odors near the roof, may be spreading the virus. Now, uh, according to the experts who are good at all calculating all this uh, wake effect, in which you know that the air currents whip across the venting pipes, carrying the coronavirus particles back to the building at the top. But according to the calculation, it is unlikely that this wake effect will carry the particle to more than five floors. And then we finally agree that to have a safety margin, we have a six-floor quarantine. Meanwhile, some families have moved out of the estate voluntarily. A family of five was seen leaving with some of their belongings this morning. The family, which lives on one of the higher floors, said they were worried about the virus spreading in the block. Outside the building, cleaners used bleach to disinfect the surrounding area. Some residents expressed doubts over a government claim that there is no problem with the design of sewage pipes in the building, saying there were sewage smells coming from the toilet whenever they flushed. Dr. Yun added that the government should do more COVID-19 tests to identify silent carriers of the virus, as some people have left their guard down going mask-free recently. Executive Councillor Lam ching said the SAR could conduct twice as many tests as the 1,000 it's doing now daily. There's been a lukewarm response from private doctors to a government scheme encouraging them to send patients deep-throat saliva samples to government labs for testing. Dr. Lam said private doctors may be afraid of being stigmatized if their patients test positive, but they shouldn't be. And he says they shouldn't worry about their clinics becoming contaminated. This testing will not contaminate the clinic since there is a choice of asking the patients to collect the deep throat saliva specimen at home. And then that particular patient can bring the specimen to one of the collection laboratories or the clinics uh, of the Department of Health. And so uh, basically the clinic is free from any of the contamination. The Constitution and Mainland Affairs Chief says the government's planning more chartered flights to pick up residents stranded in virus-hit Hubei province, hopefully by the end of this month. Patrick Nip, who was in charge of the previous evacuation that brought more than 400 people back to Hong Kong, said this time five to 600 people outside the provincial capital Wuhan will be airlifted from the Wuhan airport. Currently, there are 3,000 SAR residents stuck in Hubei province. The financial secretary, Paul Chan, says it's premature to say the city's entered a period of structural deficits, even though he's predicted the government budget will stay in the red for the next four financial years. Speaking on RTHK's letter to Hong Kong, he said the coronavirus outbreak is an unprecedented challenge for the city and a danger to the city's economy and community. He said the government has introduced measures to mitigate the damage, but needs to tighten its belt in the long term. Government expenditure will enter a consolidation period. As for future spending, 
we must be more mindful of the government's long-term affordability. Any increase in spending should also be in line with increase in revenue. To increase our revenue, it is essential that we ensure the growth and vibrance of our economy. Over the long run, we may need to consider revising tax rates or find new revenue sources. One-off relief measures may also have to be reduced progressively. Mr. Chan added that despite the challenges he was hopeful for Hong Kong's prospects in the years ahead, he forecast that the Hong Kong economy will grow by 1.5% to 0.5% in 2020, and following that, economic growth will be 2.8% a year on average from 2021 to 2024. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Police in the Philippines are enforcing travel restrictions into and out of the national capital region. Around 13 million people live in Manila and the 15 other cities in the Metro Manila zone. From Manila, here's the BBC's Howard Johnson. There's an eerie silence over this normally buzzing megacity today as the government's lockdown takes effect. Manila's main EDSA highway, normally bumper to bumper with traffic, is now practically deserted. Police checkpoints are in place on roads that connect the city to its adjacent provinces. An 8pm to 5am curfew will be enforced in parts of the city. And if a community outbreak is reported, tighter restrictions of movement will be placed on that area. With all air, sea and land travel to and from Metro Manila now heavily restricted, there are reports of foreign travellers being stranded in other parts of the country. As European and other countries take drastic measures to limit the spread of COVID-19, Taiwan has so far had more success than other countries in Asia in containing the spread of the virus. More from the BBC's Cindy Shui. Taiwan's main weapon has been its quick action. When rumblings began of severe pneumonia spreading in Wuhan city, the government was suspicious. In late December, it started checking passengers arriving on flights from Wuhan. It then sent a team to China to investigate and quickly announced tougher actions. Hospitals had to check and report patients with symptoms. Flights from Wuhan were suspended. Despite its success, Taiwan is not being complacent. It has travel alerts out for more than 25 countries and territories and requires people flying in from affected areas to self-isolate at home for 14 days. Three of the biggest European Union countries have now imposed a national lockdown, with France and Spain following Italy in announcing emergency restrictions to combat the spread of coronavirus. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt has more details. More than one in three people in the whole European Union face severe restrictions of movement. The countries are three of the four most populous states in the EU and three of its four biggest economies. The number of deaths and infections in all three continue to rise alarmingly. Italy is still by far the worst hit. 175 more people have died there since Friday. It all reinforces the head of the World Health Organization's view that Europe is now the epicentre of the global pandemic. Less strict measures are in force in the EU's richest country, Germany, though the capital, Berlin, has banned all public and private events with more than 50 participants. No such bans are in force in Britain, as the BBC's Palab Ghosh reports. Unlike many other countries, the government has not yet closed schools, banned mass gatherings or introduced travel restrictions. On Friday, the chief scientific advisor, Sir Patrick Valance, said part of the government's strategy was to manage the spread of the disease so that the population gained some immunity, an idea known as herd immunity. 
This approach has now been criticised by hundreds of academics. Sir Patrick Vallance and the Chief Medical Officer, Professor Chris Whitty, have also argued that putting in tough restrictions too soon would risk people getting what they call behavioural fatigue. The White House doctor says President Trump has tested negative for the coronavirus. He underwent the test yesterday, just days after hosting a meeting with the Brazilian president, some of whose entourage had tested positive for COVID-19. Meanwhile, the U.S. has extended the European travel ban to include Britain and Ireland. At a news conference, Mr. Trump praised the American people. If you look at companies and sports leagues and all of the things, what they've done is is just something very special without being told necessarily. In some cases, perhaps they were told, actually. But for the most part, uh, they want to get it over with. They want to get it over with quickly and with very little death. The British singer and performance artist Genesis P. Orridge has died at the age of 70 after a lengthy illness. Born Neil Mixon, Genesis P. Orridge was one of the leading figures of avant-garde and industrial music in the 1970s, performing in Throbbing Gristle and then Psychic TV. The bands attracted controversy for the dark subject matter of their songs. Here's the singer performing Godstar with Psychic TV in 1988. British singer Genesis P. Orridge, who's died at the age of 70. To end the news, our top stories once again. A top microbiologist says it isn't necessary to evacuate an entire typo housing block where three people have tested positive for the coronavirus. An executive counselor says private doctors should ditch their concerns and pitch in with COVID-19 testing. And the financial secretary warns that the government will have to tighten its belt in the years to come. The news from RTHK. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey by DJ. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience.